Jacob, I have a question for you. We are, I don't know how many weeks in we are, but I think we're at about 12 or 13 weeks, maybe 14 weeks to go of school. Mm -hmm. I was kind of wondering how your workshop's going somewhere here in the middle of this school year. And Uh, what a school year it's been. Oh my God. I, every day, you know what? I, I love my job. I really do. And I, I love teaching and I'm so glad that we are able to still do what we do. Even in a pandemic, there are many teachers around the U S that are still staring at screens full time. And I'm just, I'm very fortunate that we are where we are, but, uh, workshop wise, I'm in an interesting spot actually we are kind of closing out on our six weeks which is our grading period and usually around then I have most kids publishing because you know their goal is to publish uh you know we we have it at two times uh a six weeks to get their kind of quote-unquote test grades which are evaluation so if they did what they were supposed to do they have the draft book pages and uh, we can talk about it then it's a hundred it's not it's it's meant to be uh evaluative rather than um or feedback oriented rather than just pure evaluative so in any case so i have tons of students publishing and you know they get addicted to this process of publishing we have all their pieces on the walls and i've shared those pictures and stuff on my instagram but the one thing that's happening this six weeks, which is really fascinating, is they wrote so much. Like the majority of them wrote over two pieces. Some of them wrote four or five. Some of them uh, went back and took old things and made them newer because they have had access to their writing for two years. Um, and I have all of this stuff to get published. And I usually have a rule of 10 uh, that I picked like kind of the, the quote unquote top 10 pieces that we've had uh, for that six weeks. And that's what I print out and put them. And I, when I say best, I mean the, the ones that represent our mini lessons the best. So there might be a really great one, but it wasn't really anything we talked about in a mini lesson. So I don't highlight it the same, but this time, so the end of Friday before I left, I stayed a little bit late to print off some of their pieces. I ended up printing 28 different pieces that were just so good that they had to go up. Some of them were written by the same person. Like I had this one girl who's been reading uh, the YA series called Crank. It's like upper YA. So majority of middle school teachers probably don't even have it in their library, but Chastain does. And it's a, I mean, it's a great book. It's just not something you hand to everyone. Um, But one of my students who, uh, she's been a star student for a long time. Her writing is phenomenal. She really connected to it. And so she's been writing. She wrote a piece called, I think I talked about it on here where we, we read Monsters on Maple Street. Did we talk about that on the podcast? Oh, um, yeah. I think you were, were about to, I think. I yeah. remember now. So we did that and we had kids think about, uh, you know, the monsters in their life and, and what those monsters oh, might look like. Right. A word, a word lesson as you're famous for doing. So. Yes, I um, remember now. Uh-huh. Because we talked about relish right after that. <laughs> with all summer and a day. So she combined that. Yes, yes, yes. She combined that uh, lesson with her book who they referred to, the girl's addicted to drugs and they kind of referred to it as the monster. And so she's been writing, she wrote a piece called Monster and then a piece called Shadow. And then she was working on a third piece, but they're all interconnected. Like the way the first poem ends is what the second one 
It kind of begins with the monster following her, and then the second poem is about how the shadow has kind of taken over her. And it's re- it was so, it was really fascinating to have these conferences. So the, she made it up there twice, but the majority of these kids, you know, they ended up with like a piece or so. So I, I'm in the point of the workshop when I return on Monday. It's my job to restart it, right? Because when everyone's published, you know, there's like a sigh and then there's this lull. And then we also have weird testing and a half day on Friday. So this week, in terms of where my workshop's at, Lord only knows what's going to happen over the next few days because of interim (laughs) testing. But uh, we will see what goes down. So I don't know if that answered your question. I just really wanted to talk about the writing because it was super good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sounds like you're in a good spot. I don't know if I'm where you're at uh, as far as but I haven't had my kids for two years so this is my a new group and the way this year's going is we have kids that go home I mean well I'm sure you know you know this because you're in my district but my school's been inundated with the COVID here lately and they even sent us all home and I think we're the only district that got sent the only school in the district that got sent home for about a week yeah. so um so that was to wild, that by off. the way. That was the talk of the student body. We, I heard it what from my it? students before I heard it from anywhere else. They go, did you know North Richland got shut down? I was like, no, they didn't. Yes, <laughs> they're they like, did. yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he came on and said, you know, kind of like how you have those uh, drills or whatever, the kids. I mean, you could hear the seriousness and the tone and everybody took it very seriously and the kids went home. But we've kind of been hit fairly hard, I think. Uh, of course, you know, we have a really large school, so that's a lot to do with it. I mean, we're all wearing our masks. We've all got separation. I mean, we're, we're following the rules. It's just, you know, our basketball team ended up with it. And then when they went out, it kind of like, and it's the it's the it's the exposure and quarantines that are that made it happen, not necessarily. Yeah, it's not necessarily people COVID. who have it. Yeah, yeah, it's really the quarantine. So, like one kid has it. Well, if he sits or like in a basketball on a basketball court, you're looking at your whole team. That's already twenty kids, or thereabout. You know. Right. So anyway, that's and then it affects the coaches. So that's about five people. You know, depending on all who's in that gym and. You know, I really don't know. I'm in my room. (laughs) I don't know what they were doing other, but the whole thing is, 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 yeah, they, they said something. So, so what I guess my point is, it's really hard to kind of keep my workshop going in the way that I have done in the past, because sometimes, some days I have the kids and then some days I don't have the kids. Some, some go away, some come back. I'm sure I'm not the only teacher in the world dealing with this. So it really has kind of stumped a few things that that typically work smoothly for me. But I am getting some writing and I'm getting some pretty good um, uh, good pieces, I think. And uh, I am trying my best to make sure there's choice. Um, I'm in a, you know, they like to have everything similar. So when they, because we're going in and out so much, they want everything to be identical. And so I'm working with that team and, you know, it has to be kind of identical and they're not as trained on workshop model. You know, they're still trying to figure it out. So it kind of makes a little bit of a, so I'm struggling, I'm struggling a little bit in this area, uh, but I'm still keeping choice and all of that. And I think that's making a difference. And because my kids are, I mean, they're writing. I mean, there's, you know, when they, they just got finished turning in some stuff and, and they're writing. And then we're also doing some, a book project. Uh, on their self-selected book that they've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the team wanted to do a one pager, and I was like, "Well, we can do a one pager." I think that was Gabriel Rico's uh, uh, activity, which is really a good activity, and you can go online and see some really good ones. Uh, for those of you who are kind of curious about what a one pager is in literature, but you know, it, it's really good. I showed it to my students and my my kids that want to draw. So what they'll do is they'll draw their one pager, decorate it, create it, and then they'll take a picture of it and upload the picture. So we've been doing some things like that. But what I did is I didn't want everybody to be stuck stuck doing a one-pager. So I told them, you can your product can be whatever you want it to be. I just need it to deal with the theme. I need it to, do, you know, tell me about your book. You know, what'd you learn from your book? You know, those kinds of things. And so, um, so anyway, I have some kids that are creating websites and all kinds of different um, types of products. So I have a website. I think I have two websites. I have a blog. I do have one or two one-pagers. I have, so it's just a variety of products. And so I'm really looking forward, like going around and watching what the kids are doing. It seems really kind of fun. So I'm really looking forward to see their responses to their independent reading books that they did. Yeah. I mean, I, just to kind of, uh, echo a little bit, we were saying like kids going in and going out and stuff. That is definitely the bane of my existence right now, just because like, you know, there's a lot of good stuff happening and the majority of my kids are there, but you know, kid gets quarantined or because of the way we do attendance rules right now is kids can technically stay home, log in online and then they're counted present. So that puts in like the, a lower pressure to have kids like in seats. So a lot of kids are just absent more often, even if it's not because of, quarantining right. and stuff and that that definitely has hurt some momentum i find that's uh for me that's hurting my just momentum in content because what i tend to tell kids is when they go online just to like hey write like that's what i want you to do when you're gone or whatever you're doing just write like you can keep up yeah. the mini lessons you can do that but you're here because you can't learn online so i'm not going to expect you to do these lessons really. So I went to, so I've actually kept that going. And honestly, that's felt more of like a touchstone. We're writing more now than we do anything else. And it's, it's partly student behest. And it's also just, just the flow. Like right now, like a lot of my seventh graders are like, they're dealing with a lot. Like a lot of their family members have died, not because of COVID, just, just that time. And you can't go visit people right now, especially if they're right. out of state. So it causes all these problems. So I just have a lot of students who are showing up to the workshop and zoning into whatever they need to say. Like, and a lot of them are, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that age where they, they start the world, it becomes a little bit more visible. And so it's hard. I mean, this is why they, you know, people talk about how middle school is like, you know, for crazy people because kids have so many like emotional uh, baggage and, and trauma and everything else that's going on. And not like, like just stuff that people be like, oh, you're a teenager, you'll get over it. But like, I, I'm glad that a lot of them are using my room to talk about a lot of this stuff because they're, I, that's where the pieces are coming from. It's coming from right. them having the freedom to really express themselves. And yeah, some of it might be teenager stuff, but they got to express it somehow. I mean, this is, this is the place to do it. That's true. Well, um, I think we need to introduce ourselves, Jacob. (laughs) Oh yeah. I guess we should do that. Yeah. Welcome (laughs) to Crafted Draft with uh, Jacob Chastain and Pam Ochoa. We're so glad you joined us today and uh, we're just going to continue our conversation. Um, 
Appreciate all the support. I'm fine with that. You know, we don't need real intros anymore. We can just start talking. It'll be like just the conversation never ends. It's just split up by a week. That's it. That's pretty much how it is anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Like we don't really, we kind of come up with an idea, um, a mild focus and go, no notes go into this. Like sometimes I'll premeditate something to say, but it doesn't matter because it changes in the first 10 minutes anyway. Right. Right. Well, I mean... The other day, I was one of the things I'm like, like you said, you're glad your students are doing that in their room. Uh, it was the end of the day, and one of my students, she just said, You know, Miss Ochoa, this is a great way to end my school day because it's so peaceful in here. And so, you know, if I can just give a little bit of peace, and I think it's because they're busy writing about things they care about, you know, because even though, like, like we'll just like everybody in my campus they'll say well let's do this prompt and then I kind of go this is the prompt that we're supposed to be doing if you want to do that that's great uh if you want to do something else that's fine (laughs) that's pretty much how I handled it (laughs) so this one one of the students last week uh, well we were doing the zoom because I had to zoom with all my students last week and um and those teachers who are having to Zoom all day long, I just want to say, bless you. I hope you do well because I had a headache at the end of that day. I Zoomed all day because we did synchronous. It was not asynchronous, and it was synchronous all day. We had to run our schedule. That's how they did it. So I had to ha- I had to be tied to the computer throughout the day. So anyway, and I have first period and I have eighth period. So when I say a full day, and then we had our PLC, and then we, they, we were supposed to PLC. So I was attached to the computer throughout the day but anyway but one of the students she said Miss Ochoa do you think maybe I can go back there was a story that I started last semester can I go back and finish that story and I was like well of course you can so so even though my my uh, workshop is kind of stalled a little bit in some ways or at least to me it's not going in the flow but at least the students feel comfortable to say can I write about this? And then, of course, I let them. And then somebody else, oh, I have a story. Can I write about my? So this whole last week has been probably my purest workshop because in that particular class because they were just like, well, can we, we have all these things we want to work on that we didn't get finished. And it was just their pieces of writing here and there that they've done and they want to go back into it. So I'm and I, So they're turning that in instead of the prompt prompted writing that my other teachers wanted to do and then I had one that said well I do like the prompt can I write about it and I said sure whatever I don't care because we'd already finished all of the standards for that unit that yeah. the curriculum so it's like well you can't hurt by writing more so we wrote it we wrote and we read and that's what we did and they got to read the, their choices and now, I did tell them when we did go to the library when we came back, and I did tell them that, again, doing my book thing, one book, I don't care what it is, you choose whatever you want, I don't care how how hard or difficult, but I'd already uh, conferenced with my students, so that I'd already told them that they how they needed to challenge themselves, so I said, the second book is your challenge book, so if you're always reading, let's say, fantasy, then I want you to try a different genre. So the first book's whatever they want. The second book, I do kind of manipulate it a little bit. And then, because uh, sometimes that's how they'll end up with a new book. Because sometimes access, uh, 
to me, you know, Donna Miller talks about access is what you need. But sometimes if they don't know a different genre, they don't have access to it. So the more we can expose them to the genres, then, and so that's my way of exposing them to as many I as a, I kind of force them. I did a, a genre study a few years ago where a lot of my kids were, they were reading, but they were just kind of reading the same stuff. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll just push a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So I put a bunch of genres that they weren't reading in a hat, and then I had them choose, and that was the one they did. Now, I might have done this a different way today if I was going to do this, but it was kind of cool because, like, there was a I, – I vividly remember a girl who picked up – she drew uh, sports fiction, and she was like, I hate sports. Mr. Chastain, <laughs> I am not reading a sports book. You can't make me. And I was like, okay, look, I get it. I hate sports books too. But guess what? I also read a lot, and I know that there's actually some really good sports books. She was like, no, there's not. And I'm like, look, I'm going to hand you two books tonight. You're going to read some, and then you're going to come back and you're going to tell me which one you like because you're going to like one of them. So I gave her Ghost by Jason Reynolds, and then I gave her Jim Candy, which I forget who wrote that book. But Jim Can- Ghost, for anyone who doesn't know, you know it's about a, a kid who has kind of a troubling uh, father that's caused like their family to kind of break apart. He ends up channeling a lot of his rage into running. He gets on the track team, et cetera, et cetera. Jim Candy is about a athlete who basically gets addicted to steroids and kind of goes through that stuff. So both where the sport is just secondary, which is why I like them because I'm not a sports guy. Um, my wife had to tell me that we have a Super Bowl tomorrow, which is Sunday. I was like, I didn't even realize that the Super Bowl was here, but okay. But she ended up coming back and then she was like, okay, I'll do Jim Candy. And then she read a little bit more and she was like, Chastain, I really like Jim Candy. And she they ended up being one of her favorite books of the year, right? So I, de- I definitely think there, you know, we talk about independent reading and choice and stuff like that. I, I think a, you can... You can augment that in a way that because our goal is to let kids enjoy their reading and do that, but a lot of kids don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they're missing, right. and I think that's when a knowledgeable, trusting teacher steps in, nudges them a little bit. Not just, not saying you have to read this, not saying this is your life now, but just hey, there's other books than that. Let me tell you. Let me show you the vast world of books right. that you could be reading. Right, and and my mini lesson for that particular day was how to choose a book that's not too challenging but can make you grow, and that's that's pretty much what I had told them. And then I had already individually conferenced with a few of them as far as like that needed to really read more, and so and I showed them, look, this is how you're doing, and we talked about it. But with the conferencing, they, you know, kind of helped them. I had a few. Uh, I don't want to read anything else. Well, what do you like? You know, so it's finding that right book is always uh, important, but yet sometimes challenging, especially if they've dug their heels in. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's, I think there's times, I think real readers, and we talk about, you know, what real writers do, but like real readers, you know, we, like for me, like I, I read a lot of books at once in all honesty, like I really don't always just stick to one unless that it's just consuming me. Like when I was reading Hamilton, like that's all I could read because I was obsessed with it. So anytime, and it was big. So anytime I was reading something else, I felt guilty, but in general, I'm always bouncing around. I have a, a book that I'm reading. So like something that's 
that could connect to my students, right? Something I could finish and then hand off because <laughs> that's always one of my main goals in reading. And I try to stay current as many books as possible. And then I'm usually reading some type of research, some type of book for teachers, some type of pedagogy, something, um, which currently, so those two right now, I'm going to tell you, I'm reading the crossover and I'm going to tell you why I'm rereading that book. I'm reading another book called the great, uh, the rise and fall of the great American school system, which is research that has been put together uh, about basically the standards movement, how that transitioned into the accountability movement and choice and all of that, and then how it went through each administration, kind of getting worse, right? Like we, a lot of people are not shy about mentioning No Child Left Behind as being kind of a big catalyst for accountability and stuff that has not been too good for education. But a lot of people failed to mention that Obama in, uh, made basically a 2.0 version of this and created a uh, race to the top, which was an even more intense That's accountability right. measure. And a lot of people don't talk about mm-hmm. that. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to me to read the history of it and really be educated on it. Cause it's already informed so much. So that's my, that's my teacher research book. And then I have another one that I consider like, um, my challenge book, so to speak, the one that does take me a little bit more time. And currently I'm looking to fill that spot. I am, I am on the look for a book to, uh, fill that, but usually I have about three texts going to my own life. So I don't see why we can't encourage kids to do that. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've I've gone back to one of Jeff Anderson's book, uh, mechanically inclined. I've been looking at at that book. It's a classic. Um, yeah. So sometimes I'll reread those books. So I'm looking at that one, just kind of getting more familiar with some of his way of doing things. And then um, I'm my challenge books are always about military. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've, I've got the, I've been going with the Green Beret for quite a while, but I kind of put that down. Uh, and then, um, anyway, there's, there's some other ones. I've got about three of them uh, that I've got going on there. So just whatever, I kind of find out what my son's reading. And that's my way of connecting with my son. We have some good, deep conversations about, about strategy. So I have my, not to change the subject, but I do want to kind of talk about the 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 waxing and waning of a workshop because I feel like this is something that isn't talked about in any workshop book that I've particularly read. Like, cause and I've I don't know, I just find that like early in my workshop, you know, it's it's more based on getting kids hooked and uh giving them some ideas. And then once they start kind of writing on new pieces, it's my mini lessons shift to more targeted lessons. And then from there we ramp up to publishing. Once every kid kind of publishes or finishing that publishing cycle, there's almost like this lull again. And if they all time it correctly, everyone kind of lulls at the same time. And then it just kind of does this cycle. And do you feel all things being even and COVID not being around that your workshop naturally ebbs and flows like that? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, I think it gets started sometimes a little bit slower than what maybe a teacher who's not used to workshop would do. Like, because I've worked with a lot of different teachers over the years, and I think that's probably I'm not worried about it when it does that. You know, where it's kind of slow, but I think it kind of messes with other people. 
sometimes. I mean, I think a teacher starts to panic. And really, it's that quiet time is where the thinking, if you can keep them thinking, that's thinking about the next thing they're about to do, thinking about a book they're about to choose. But you have to have that lull, I think, for it to be successful. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a natural, it's just a natural process. And the reason I asked this and the reason I kind of want to talk about it is because I mean, it, we're in a transitional time in our classroom, so there's the, that changes the workshop and disruptions change the workshop. And, you know, I find that after about a week or more, my – everything just ramps up. You know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. teaching a little bit more thematically, not with a focus theme, but just I, I see the trajectory of my mini lessons. The Like this Sunday, you know, I'll be sitting there going, okay, what's my trajectory? What – pieces do I want to put? And sometimes I can see two days, two days in advance. Some days I can only see one. Some days I can see a whole week in advance. And when I see the whole week and I can kind of see where it's going to go now, my mini lesson might change depending on conferencing and stuff like that. But I, I still can see the game plan going forward. I feel like that's really when my workshop's cooking a lot. But I, I feel like if teacher gets a taste of that, right? You're a teacher, you're kind of brand new to workshop. Maybe you're attempting it. You're listening to a podcast like this and you're like, okay, I'm going to implement everything they're talking about right now. And at first everything goes okay. You get kids hooked. And then every sudden, all of a sudden things die. Kids aren't finishing pieces. Uh, they're stuck. More students are saying, I have nothing to write about or uh, asking you constantly for help rather than working independently. Like we, we, there's a teacher on our campus who is, is in that she was like, Oh, okay. I'm trying to, she loves organized and stuff. And then, you know, to, to quote Laura Rob on our last podcast, you know, you kind of have to right. be comfortable with chaos. Um, which I'm right. so glad she said that because I think there, there are elements of workshop that aren't pretty and they're not like if you took a picture of it for Instagram or whatever like it's not something you take pictures of all the time because it's it's messy it's like the writing process itself is messy like if I showed people what my ramblings look like before I went back and edited and revised and stuff like no one would ever listen to me but that's that's what workshop is housing it's housing all of the unknowns and the messiness and the the mess ups and everything else like that. So it it takes on that vibe sometimes, and that is something that I'm still learning to cope with. I'm pretty comfortable with it, but I could imagine teachers who like who thrive on control just driving them insane. Oh yeah, and that's that's another thing you brought up, uh, Laura Robert. She talked about trusting the process, trusting the student. And you can trust the student if you've given them an opportunity to make choices that are authentic and meaningful to them. Because they'll typically hang, hang, keep keep it going. You know, like, I, as I told said earlier about that one girl, I mean, how long has she been thinking about that story, waiting for the opportunity to get to do it again? But I've been driving us because of curriculum or something like that. So I th- I do think it's not that we we don't want to hit the curriculum. It's it's not that. But we, we want to keep it broad enough, like you said, in the boundary of workshop so that they can f- have enough room to fall and get back up. And, and I think sometimes we keep it so tight that there's, there's no way to fall. It's kind of like keeping them in a straitjacket. And they can't, yeah. you know, they, they can't move because they are confined to 26 lines. They're confined to three lines. 
they're confined, you know, three paragraphs, yeah. five paragraphs. And and when and then if we're going to use model text, do you go out there? How many of them write only five paragraph papers? Nobody does. A magazine articles, all kinds of sizes. I, I don't know, but I think I think it is kind of scary for those who are not sure about the mess. They don't know what to do with it, I think. But also, though, as I told you earlier, when the, the ebb and flow where they, like you said, it does ramp up. Because at the beginning of when I start, I start typically with writing, as I shared with you earlier. And they do a lot of pre-writing. I give them lots of different things out there. When I say things, I'm talking about I might do a word like relish. And then they have to figure out what it means. One of my favorites, groovy, because it's an old word. But then I pull in a song. And uh, by the end, they're like, oh, okay, I do feel groovy today. You know, they write about it. So, I mean, I throw words out there. I might say free write, whatever you want. I might do listing. But they're doing all these kinds of, you know, partial writings. And then that's when I say, okay, choose one that you real, that's really speaking to you and then use it to write. So that's kind of how I start. So then now we ramp it up because everybody's got a piece. Now they all want to be conferencing and now they're all, you know, I mean, I like, I spend the whole time, one whole day just, or two or three during this time where they're just one right after another coming and conferencing with me about their piece. And so sometimes where I have trouble is I would rather do that. And then I look over here and go, oh, according to the curriculum, I'm supposed to have taught prepositional phrases. And, you know, in other words, there's all these lists of things I haven't technically gotten to in a group way, but I've gotten to it through conferencing. So I don't know, but it does. And then, well, like you said, when they start publishing and turning it in, it does kind of lull. But that lull, I think, is important because you've you got to rest a little bit. And that's where... I think it's a good time to maybe read to them, give them some things to think about, slow it down, yeah, let I them mean, write about also, whatever they want. That, yeah, that's kind of what I was pointing at is, you know, this constant like writing workshops weird because if you get a teacher bought in to mm-hmm. it um, and then they're freed from kind of these prompts and stuff, but now they're in this almost expectation that writing has to be happening all the time and – it's what's helped me with that is just myself being a writer. You know, before I ever taught, I wrote, you know, six novels that weren't particularly good, but I put in the work. But after each book I wrote, after each piece, and in my modern life, after each kind of longer post that I do that I kind of treat like articles on Teach Me Teacher or a guest post or, you know, whatever, like I have to kind of rest. Like there's a reason why. I bank so many episodes of the my of Teach Me Teachers because I I will if, if I do too many regularly it's almost like I I end up just kind of asking similar questions and talking to the same types of people because that's what I'm interested in but if I if I do all in spurts there's like seasons and with my book like when I wrote Teach Me Teacher like I didn't write again for a long time when that was done and it wasn't because I didn't want to write it was because I just needed a reset like I needed time now our kids aren't mm-hmm. writing you know full length books so they their rest is shorter but the shortness is still uh having that time for them to just kind of flail and and meander and do all of those things. Like that's, that's what real writers do. Like it's really hard to like finish something and then go into something else unless you have a clear idea, which is great. And some kids do that. Um, but the majority of them need time to, 
to kind of just lull. So I think teachers, I mean, what, I mean, what's your advice? Like, how do you manage? So when you feel that coming, when you feel a lull coming into your workshop or a lot of kids have published, so they're kind of restarting, like, what do you, do you ever freak out about it or do you, are you so used to it by now? I think I'm used to it because even when, when I teach the writing institutes, you know, those, those are month long and, I mean, even those teachers are, I mean, we push them, we push them hard. And then uh, sometimes it just looks like they're busy talking to their friends and they're not really working. And my, and my buddies will go, or my trainer colleagues would go, uh, do we need to go over there? Do we need to go tell them to start writing? And I'm like, no, no, we've given them their deadline. We just need to, you know, we know, they know that they have to have it done. So I think just making sure that if, if there is a deadline that the students need to meet, then they need to know what that is. They, they, you have to have clear expectations. You know what I mean? They need to know what's expected of them. And, some things that you can keep consistently, you can still keep the reading, you can still keep the writing time, but where you're, where you're allowing the lull is where you're not forcing them to do those things. You know what I mean? In other words, yeah. they, they have all that choice. So, so I, I don't really panic over it. I just say, these are the things that have to be done. And uh, you like, well, let's just say last week, uh, Friday, or was it Thursday? I guess it was Thursday. I said, I, I told the kids, I said, well, these are the things that have to be done because the six weeks is up and I have to have some grades and these are the things I'm taking grades on. Uh, so work on it in the manner in which you want to work. I'm here if you need me. And, uh, and let's see if we can get some stuff done. And I turned on my little ratatouille this time. Ratatouille. <laughs> You know, the, the French, like, da, 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 you know, uh -huh. and all the, and the kids, they just kind of, and you'd think they were sleeping, but I'd get up every once in a while, I'd walk around. Of course, you know, you're walking around anyway, but they were so quiet. I didn't want to disturb them. So I went over there and I wrote, I read some, I was reading the book I was just telling you about. And I wrote a little bit also, and then I would walk around and they weren't playing games on their computers. They were working. They were working and they were busy. You know, I required that if they were going to, before they ever put it in the, in the, their work or their writing, it had to be in their draft book first. That was my requirement. So I had some, uh, type, uh, you know, copying and typing it onto the, onto uh, Google. And then I had some that were actually handwriting. And I mean, it was all kinds of stuff. I had some that were reading. And it was okay. They didn't have to read the first period of the day. They, I let them, I really give them some choice as far as even when they do it. If now I'm getting evaluated on Wednesday. So do you think, I don't think she'll be okay with dun, them dun, doing dun. all over the place. So you're getting know. evaluated. And I asked her, I said, well, I've been teaching for about 34 years. I mean, what is there to evaluate? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, she's like, well, no, we just want to come see you. I think what happened is uh, all of my, she said, did you get evaluated last year? I said, yes. And anyway, I think the computer system, I think they reset it and it lost all my stuff. She has nothing of me. I don't exist. But there, I'm still going to have writing time and all of that. I just have to make it a little more, uh, maybe more expected structure, you know, from because she's a math teacher, so 
Well, she's you know, a, she's a good person. That's yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's a good call for anyone listening. I mean, there's everyone. I feel like everyone feels the pressure, you know, when you're getting evaluated for obvious reasons. But uh, you know, having conversations with your administrators about what they'll see is always good. And then, you know, last year was my first mm-hmm. year. I didn't do a big lesson for an observation. I've always done big lessons that are tons of movement, tons of engaging stuff, but my teaching has just evolved. And it was the first mm-hmm. time where I just did a, mi- I did a mini lesson. You know, I made sure it was a yeah. good one, but we did a mini lesson. We went to read time, then we went to write time. And luckily my doing. principal was able to sit there and she loved it because when kids were writing, she could tell the writing workshops, she could tell that there was procedures in place. And even though every kid uh-huh. was kind of off in their corner and, you know, this was before COVID. So kids were off in chairs and bean bags and on the floor and stuff like that while they were writing. And uh, man, I miss those times, but there <laughs> maybe you? one day, but we'll, uh, she was the, she realized, you know, in our post-conference, she was like, yeah, I could just tell you were doing great work because of how engaged they were. And then when I asked, you know, if anyone to share their writing, all of their hands shut up. She was like, kids just don't do that. And this was like in September. I did my, this was my, so I had a month with these kids and then that happened. But it was, you know, I I, when in doubt as a workshop teacher, you know, just stick to core workshop because you, uh, part of what we do with craft and draft does prove all of the work that's going into what we're doing. But administrators are still administrators. And I, I don't think it's, a bad thought to try to show your best by almost not limiting the workshop, but f- uh, doing a, a, a f- more fine-tuned workshop so people in there can see it and really experience the magic of workshop is. Because not everyone gets the the most broad sense of stuff. Not everyone internalizes why that's good in a in a thirty minute, forty five minute observation. Right. And one of the things is it has to be data driven. So, you know, in my pre-conference, she had to ask me, what is my data? And so, you know, one of the things that my kids are struggling with is in the revision section of writing, you know, where they're having to revise. They're having trouble a little bit with when to add or extend their, their, uh, their thinking with a positives and how to so that's one of the things we had to do. So I'm going to, my mini lesson is going to be about inserting uh, un, you know, unnecessary grammatical information, such as a positives and knowing how to set it off. I'm going to give them some model text and then I'm going to have them go back because they've been writing this whole week. And I'm going to say, go back to the writing you were doing this week and let's look and see if you've already done it somewhere. If not, so on that left side, they're going to go in and make those connections or make those changes or revisions to their own writing. And uh, then I'm going to tell them to write. That's pretty much how it's going to go. We'll see what happens. (laughs) But it'll be a little more fine-tuned where everybody's, it's not read if you want to, write if you want to. That's what I mean. Like the reading's going to happen at a certain time and the writing's going to happen at a specific time. Right. So sometimes that changes. It's just the kids have gotten so used to it, it doesn't matter if I change it because they know that they're going to get to write. As long as they know they're going to get that writing time and that reading time, they're good with me doing whatever I need to do. It's really, I mean, workshop speaks for itself in a lot of ways. I mean, there's, uh, there might be people who walk in and see a workshop and be so clueless. They have no idea, but you know, I've walked into enough classrooms that you, even if you really don't understand what's going on, right. If it's not your content or something, you know, when kids are learning, you know what it looks like, you know what it sounds like everyone. I think it's like intuitive. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. when you see it, you see it. And 
um, administrators have seen enough to where they can kind of feel it. So I, I, once I realized that I never, I never really worry. Like I always tell, you know, I, I talk to my teachers a lot, but that's on the team, which is if you at any point during your day can say, man, I don't want anyone to be in here right now. Like if someone walked in, like you would be ashamed of what's going on, then be better. Like that's kind of my that's point. That's my, it's my philosophy, which is like at any point I want my administrators to be able to walk in and I would be okay with what they saw. And this actually happened the other day. One of my, I don't get a formal observation. I get my random 15 minutes or whatever, where they right. come in and he came in during a time when, uh, my class really, it wasn't flowing that well. And it really, there was some distractions going on, but you know, he walked in, I was already conferring with a student and then he just watched me and he went and talked to students. And because they were all able to talk about their pieces, what they were doing, what their goals were, where they were going next, you could see me interacting with the kids. I wasn't at my desk. I wasn't talking. I was just interacting, conferencing. It was it was great, and it was a great feedback, and he really enjoyed it. But that's that's the thing is I that's me every day, right? Yeah, and that's exactly and, what I walked into when I watched you, right? And that's kind of that's just the flow, and I'm comfortable with people walking into that because I know that even if they walk up to a kid who might be quote unquote like looking like they're distracted or not working, the moment they go, "Hey, what are you working on?" They're going to spit it out because it's it's a ritual. Like kids, if you ritualize uh, the workshop, it runs itself pretty much. I mean, kids are kids and mm-hmm. disruptions are disruption. Things happen. But for the most part, the meat of a workshop can be ritualized to the point to where it's it's going to work really no matter what. And that's what I want people uh, really seeing when they walk in. So I get excited. I get I get excited uh, to see. Like right now, I'm really excited. They're going to be turning some of their work in. Some of them I already have, and I, I get really excited about the stuff that they do. I don't like putting grades on it, but I do love to look at it and see what see their thinking. And then they get excited because I, you know, one of my questions I ask them is, "What do you think about it?" And then when they tell me what they think about it, and I go, "Well, how did it?" How is this one different from the last time you turned something in? You know, so I do stuff like that and they get all excited. But, you know, that the craft and draft, that's a great place for them to do those reflectings. I, I love asking those questions, though, when they like if I'm sitting down with a conference and they'll go, hey, can you read this? And I go, OK. I was like, first, I want you. I was like, what do you like about this the most? And then letting oh, yeah. them kind of explain those things is really fascinating. That was on our reflection sheet at one point. But um just having those questions with them. I also having kids, uh, I, I haven't done this a lot, but I've done it in the past few days. It's really been effective, but I'll ask them to read a section, their most favorite section that they wrote. So if it's a poem, maybe their favorite line or their favorite stanza or something, just read it out loud. And it's really interesting to let them hear their own words out loud. It's a, I, I really want to double down more on that because it's there's an auditory that. part of reading that we don't capitalize all the time. Well, that's why I like to do that sharing is they read their writing to each other. And just listening to yourself. I mean, how many times do you read your stuff like you're writing and you close your door and you just read it out loud to you? I don't know. You may not do that, but I've done that where I read it out loud to myself so I can hear it. I do that to my own writing for sure. Yeah, that's what I mean um, for your own writing. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, 
I, that's usually one of my, I got that tip from a writer's podcast I used to listen to, but they were like on, after you've revi- revised and edited and everything like that, print it out. And that way you don't see it on digital screen. Cause it looks different on paper. And then it they does. said, when you're on paper, read it out loud and see if it flows, if there's anything that trips you up, um, as you're going. And then those are potential, uh, revisions. So there is that piece. A lot of kids are very, uh, you have to have a lot of great rapport with kids to do that. You also have, they have to be very comfortable. And even my kids who love workshop and love my class and we have great relationships, even them, they're reluctant to read some stuff out loud, uh, that they've written. So there's, Mm -hmm. it's still a, that's a big jump, but I think it's useful. Well, I get a, I, I have a lot of, uh, fortune out of that. So um, that's usually a part of my, I like it when a uh, part of my workshop, I like it when, uh, administrators come in on those days. Cause it's pretty impressive when they're all reading and they're responding and they're they're I, they usually, I give them note cards and then they write on the note cards and then they give that note card feedback as a, as a gift to the, to the person who did the writing, but they have to share, they have to read their feedback back. So you would like, read your piece to me and then you'd read it a second time. That's the other thing. I make them read it twice. And then on the second reading, the person who's going to give the feedback, that's when they start writing down their feedback on the second reading. And then they, they give their feedback back to the writer, but they have to read it. They don't just hand it to them, but most of them want to just hand it to them. And I go, no, 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 no. Get that back to you. They need, you know, they need to hear you. So it's a. This is where I get my listening and speaking uh, grade. <laughs> they all do it, and I don't have any problems. Then they all get a one hundred. It's real easy, easy to move them along in the one hundred side of life when they all participate. There, I don't know. I think they're so. I don't know. I feel like we've covered so many random topics. This is more like a talk shop episode, which I I totally like because it, it's good to reflect on these things and. And think about the, you know, just getting a a lay of the land, right? Looking at your workshop, seeing what's working, seeing, you know, how much reading is going down, seeing how much writing, and then just altering. Like, I think the strength of workshop teaching is you can mold it in every which way. Like, if kids aren't writing as much, get better mini lessons that inspire them to go there. If they're writing a lot, take your mini lesson down a little bit and let it flow that way. Like, there's times where I'm the driving force of the workshop, and there's times when their interests are the pure driving force. That's obviously the goal 100% of the time, but, you know, it goes back and forth, and um, being comfortable when things aren't, just magical all the time, right? Nothing's utopian. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the workshop will vary as much as the people in your room vary. So there is there there's an honesty to that and there's a, I think there's a comfort people should take in this messinessness of messinessness of the writing <laughs> workshop and just workshop teaching. But yeah, uh, I was just going to say usually that's when I if it gets like that and we're all kind of dead that's usually when I go to my bookshelf and I grab a book and I read and I might read to the kids the whole time. And then at the end I'll say, right. And then <laughs> you said that's that what so, I do. It was so poetic. <laughs> well, that's what I do. I read and that's how and then I say, right. And I say, right. After I read, right. And they usually, well, what do I write about? Just whatever you're thinking of from the book. Doesn't matter to me. Just write. And usually it works. Cause then, 
at least I always have something to do. That's the beauty of just English Classroom Zero. I actually said that to one of my administrators. They were like, we have a our interim, we're doing it on Wednesday for reading. And then Thursday, there's nothing. And then Friday's a half-day math interim. So we have uh, this weird week. And I was like, you know what? It's okay. I'm a reading teacher. We can read or write um, any day of the week. Like, <laughs> I don't even have to show up for the lesson. We can just yeah. go. So, yep. It's, uh, in any case, uh, I hope everyone else is having a great time. Um, I hope you're enjoying the Crafts and Draft podcast. You guys showed a lot of love to the Laura Rob episode. We don't want to interview all the time, but we love bringing some people on. I bet there's some amazing people uh, we kind of have in the pipeline of invite onto this show. So hopefully we can bring some really interesting long-form discussions uh, for you to listen to about reading and writing workshop. Hopefully you are enjoying your time, whether you are online or in the classroom or a little bit of both. We're going to make it through this year, you guys. Like I like I said at the top, like I am every day is a day. Every day feels like 5 days. By the time Tuesday hits, I'm like is it Friday? And it's not because I don't want to work. It's just like, "Oh my god, like how much teaching can I do in a day?" So, it is we're all being tested right now. So, if you're listening to this podcast, know that we are here for you and we are in it with you. So stick around. We got some more positivity, more workshop Come in every single Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review and follow us on Facebook, our current uh, number one spot for the Crafts and Draft podcast. But for everything else, ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here for you. <laughs>